Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 136 with author, classical homeopath, and Lyme ninja, Katina Macris. And also welcome with me back to our studio, the show producer and brains behind Lyme Ninja Radio, back from her cross-country trek with her twin sister, Aurora. At long last, at long last, at long last. Thank you so much. Um, We've gotten lots of hate mail. Oh, really? No, not, that's not true. I shouldn't put that on the audience out there, but I've, I've missed you tremendously. Oh, thank you so much. But in this episode, in this episode, you will learn how homeopathy helped Katina heal from her chronic Lyme disease, how Katina first discovered homeopathy, and if homeopathy is right for you. Thanks, Aurora. And will you tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Katina Macris? Yes. Katina is a frequent guest now on Lyme Ninja Radio. She's a graduate of Duke University and the Still Point School of Integrative Life Healing. She's a classical homeopath and the author of several books on Lyme disease. And like many people with Lyme, Katina endured five years of misdiagnosis and five more years of treatments. Katina has overcome her chronic Lyme disease and has dedicated her life to helping people find their way out of the woods and back to health. Thank you, Aurora. And here's our interview with Katina Macris. We are set to talk about homeopathy, classical homeopathy. Okay, great. Let's do it. I love it. I mean, I'm passionate. It's a fabulous profession. 35 years I've been practicing. And to tell you the truth, I'm even, it looks like going to be doing more within the profession, um, training homeopaths and naturopaths how to use homeopathy for Lyme because there's a very specific protocol that I've figured out um, over the years. So, but yes, let's, let's let everybody learn because they don't really know what it is. They sort of just think it's herbal something. Exactly. So let's start this way. Okay. Katina, when did you first learn about homeopathy and then what clicked that inspired you to say, you know what, I'm actually going to go study this. Oh yeah. Mine's a great story. You're going to love it. Um, let's see. Uh, I went to Duke university undergrad pre-med program because I wanted to become an endocrinologist. Um, I decided that when I was 13, I'd always loved health and healing. I was that type that took in the stray animals and You know, I was the one that all the friends would talk to about problems. I was always a a caretaker personality, and I went off to Duke, and this was in the 1970s. And when we were working in the hospital um, wards and the different floors and helping, because we were volunteers as pre-meds, and I had already had hospital experience as a teenager, as a candy striper. Okay. But when I was at Duke, I had a real... um, a real pro, really profound awareness that I didn't think I wanted to become the doctor that I witnessed, which was a very intellectual, very, very intelligent, bright, you know, science doctor that was basically behind a clipboard there in the hospital, just checking in, in on vitals and the basics. And it was the nurses that were doing all the patient care. They had the TLC. They were the one that were attuned to the nuances of of the patient, of their coloring, of their, of their, if they were clammy sweating or if they were shivering with chills. And I said, holy cow, that's not me, a clipboard doctor. I'm like so empathic. I'm, you know, I'm a healing person. And I had this really hard time, McKay, for a couple of years there. And, um, I finished up. And I didn't know if I could handle med school because of emotionally, I really wasn't in the place I thought I needed to be. 
So I ended up working on Wall Street of all things. I had an interesting degree. I had economic, a, two, a double major, economics and French literature, and I had all my pre-meds. So my mom said, well, just get to work, you know, <laughs> find a job, find a job, get to work, you know, You're, you got a good education. So there I am on Wall Street, and I developed at the time, I'd never been sick my whole life. I was always like the only kid in class that never missed a day of school. I had broken bones because I was an athlete, and I'd, you know, do a wheelie on my bike and break an arm or, you know, that kind of thing. But um, my dad came back from Europe, and he had an office in London at the time. He came back, and he had this uh, little bottle with these little pellets in it. And it said for allergies um, and asthmatic relief. And he said to me, Katina, take these little pellets. He said they're homeopathic. They come from a pharmacy in London called Nelson's. The world famous. The royal family has a homeopath as part of their doctor staff. And Nelson is their pharmacy. And uh, the pharmacist was great. He gave me a formula. My dad had like GI issues forever. And he said, take this one for the allergies. And I said, oh, come on, Daddy. I said, you know me. I take anything, Sudafed, any of that over-the-counter, and I'm sick. I'm, like, either doped up and knocked out or I'm, like, jittery and jumpy and high-strung because I'm, I'm sensitive. And he said, no, 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 no. There's no side effects with these things. They either work or they don't. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. And I put them on the shelf, and I kind of ignored them. <laughs> and... um I had already, as we said, been to the allergist and tried the over-the-counters and nothing was helping me. And I was miserable and it was May and there was a beautiful outdoor wedding and every tree was in bloom and we had to go. So I said, all right, well, I'll just try these little pellets. And I slipped them under my tongue because, you know, you dissolve them under your tongue and they go into the sublingual glands right into your bloodstream. Honest to God, McKay, I was like, 15 minutes, the the pellets were still under my tongue. They hadn't dissolved all the way. The tearing eyes, the sneezing, the the phlegmy throat, everything was clearing up. I was like, what? Is this really working? And like within an hour, the asthmatic wheezing was gone. And I was like, holy cow, this, whoa. And I made it through the whole wedding. The little bottle, it said, repeat when needed. You know, and I repeated it later in the day, like four hours later, and I got home that evening and I was still symptom free. I was married at the time to a chiropractor. I was in my early twenties, mid twenties. I said to him, Greg, what is this homeopathic medicine? He says, Oh my God. He says, Why didn't we think of this for you? This is the perfect fit. Likes treat likes. It's all these gentle dilutions of remedies from nature that are like thousands of years old. He says, let's get you to a homeopath. And I don't really remember how we did it because it was before the internet, but we I think we did it through his chiropractic school. We found the National Center for Homeopathy in Virginia. They're still there. They've kept homeopathy alive in the United States for over 80 years. I can tell you a little bit of history later. We, I got on the phone, blah, blah, blah. They found me a practitioner in New York City, which was where I was living in the area. But it was a two-month wait list to get in. And I said, because there were so few and far between, this was 1983, I said, well, what can I read? And they said, oh, read Kent's Materia Medica and Borky's, no, Kent's Repertory and Borky's Materia Medica. I said, what are those? And they said, oh, they're very important books on, on homeopathic medicine. So I ordered them. And well, little did I know they were textbooks. And from the very beginning of the first paragraph of Kent Repertory, I was like a duck to water. I loved the philosophy. I loved the, the whole idea that you treat the person and not the disease, that symptoms are clues that this is where a body or a psyche is out of balance. They are expressions of, of where the disturbance is. And then I'm reading the Materia Medica, which is over 4,000 remedies that are come from nature. They're plant-based. Some are mineral-based. Some are animal-based, like bee venom. Um, and they are used, we match them up, 
to a person's symptom picture. So I was fascinated. I'm reading. I trained myself five remedies a day I memorized. And by the time I got to the homeopath two months later, I had sorted it out in my mind that I thought these two or three remedies fitted my asthmatic picture and, and allergy picture well. And then there's this very cool part, which we have to talk about, because there's two levels of prescribing, acute prescribing, and then what we call chronic or constitutional prescribing. And there's this concept that we're each born with a homeopathic constitutional picture, which homeopaths are trained. That's a lot of our schooling is figuring out an individual's constitutional type. And there I was. I think I figured out my constitutional type in the pages of the Materia Medica. So I get into the office of the homeopath and he listens to an hour plus of my case. And I tell him what I think. And he says, Katina, he says, I can't believe this. He goes, you're a natural. He says, do you have any pre-med? I said, yeah, I have a whole, I have a whole, like I did it all at Duke. And he says, okay. He goes, well, you're in the right place at the right time because we're starting the first post-grad training in over 70 years in this country. Well, maybe it was 65 years. He says it starts in two months with the world famous homeopath from Argentina. He's a clinical homeopath, Dr. Eziaga. He says, here's the application form. Fill it out. He says, you're ready to go, girl. And there I was. I got in and I started my homeopathic training. And it, so it was through my own personal experience and witnessing it work on me. And also my had worked on my dad and I loved it. I loved it, and I started practicing, and hey, it's 35 years later. That's an amazing story, and within it, you bring up some of the basic points about homeopathy. So let's start with the like cures like philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is that all about? It's so, it's so counterintuitive. It's like why would you put more of – What's mm-hmm. hurt, harming you in the body? Mm-hmm. Okay, so bear with me for a little bit of a second here because I have to tell you a little piece of the history of the development of homeopathy so we understand this principle. There was a genius um, research doctor in Germany in the late 1700s. His name was Dr. Samuel Hahnemann. He's the founder of homeopathy. And in the day, malaria was one of the huge epidemics you know, besides tuberculosis and small smallpox and uh, yellow fever. But anyway, malaria was what he was studying. And malaria, they were treating with a substance we all know called quinine, which is actually a bark of a tree. It's Peruvian bark. It's a, um, a very uh, bitter agent. And they thought that the quinine was so effective because it was so bitter. So Hahnemann's studying this, and he doesn't quite buy into this principle because he's thinking of other bitter herbs that were not effective with malaria. So he's studying the quinine, and it's winter in Germany. And he decides, you know, I'm going to take the quinine and just, you know, get, get a feel for this. And he starts taking the quinine, and about two weeks in, he starts to develop malaria symptoms. And he's thinking, wait a second, why am I getting malaria in the winter in Germany, I mean, it's carried by mosquitoes in a, in a warm climate. So he stops taking the quinine. The symptoms clear up. A week or two later, he starts the quinine again. The symptoms come back. And he thinks, wait a second. What's going on here? Something that can cure a disease can also cause it? I wonder what the inverse is. I wonder what it, you know, something that causes a disease can it cure it. You know, so he's like, you know, he's got this, you know, counterpoint, like you said, this counterintuitive like thought pattern going on. So he gets a, a, bu- a bunch of his other, you know, fellow um, interns and, you know, lab assistants. And, you know, I don't know what his lab looked like in those days. We have some old photos, but. He got a group of healthy individuals together and he had them all start taking the quinine and he had them cataloging and writing down every single symptom they experienced while they were taking the quinine. And then he started gathering their data 
And we in homeopathy call this approving. Okay. It's what a, you know, uh, a, a traditional amount of a substance would cause in your sim, in your, in your body, what the symptom picture would look like if you took it on a routine basis, like three, four times a day for like several weeks on end. And we call those provings. Okay. And so then he started doing it with lots of things like chamomile and coffee and, you know, other substances, a lot of herbs. Cause you know, herbal medicine was the mainstay back in the 1700s, right? So they started doing these provings on individuals so they could find out what, you know, if you drink coffee, you drink a lot of coffee, what happens? You get hyper, your mind gets kind of racy, you don't sleep very well, some people sweat, some people get acidic stomach, right? A lot of heart palpitations, you know, so, and he did it with all of these, lots of them, you know, really, really several hundred of these provings. So that was the beginning of his work. And then, you know, while he's doing this, he's thinking, okay, I've got to find infinitesimal amount because if he wanted to do approving on some of the other substances doctors were using, like mercury for syphilis, which ties into uh, our Lyme disease um, uh, situation nowadays, and arsenic and, and some of the other substances they were using for for you know, serious illnesses, you couldn't be proving. No, you kill somebody. Well, you kill them. Yeah. You kill them. Right? So he started diluting them down. Okay? He tried to find this, like, small amount so that they could do a proving and the people wouldn't die. So this is, you know, he's continuing his studies, right? So they're getting more and more provings. And now this is where it gets very interesting. Because you can sort of see the scientists there, you know what I mean? How he's make, collating data. So now he thinks, wait a second, I've got to start now administering these diluted amounts to people to see if they're curative, but they don't cause side effects. Because if I've got a patient with, we've got patients with syphilis and mercury is curative for some of these people with syphilis, but it's also killing a lot of them and turning them, uh, you know, you know, with brain damage or silver. Silver too was another strong a substance they used for syphilis, but people would turn blue and they'd get brain damage and, you know, they'd get nervous system problems. So he said, okay, I've got to find a way to treat in these little tiny amounts. So he started this dilution process. And let me explain this to you. That we'll use an herbal as an example. Uh, a plant that we use commonly in, in homeopathy is a flower called wind flower. Or in France, they call it posc flower. All the homeopathic remedies go by their Latin names. So no matter where you are in the world, you can find it. So it's called pulsatilla is the name of wind anemone. So in France or South America or United States or India, if you wanted this homeopathic remedy, you would ask for pulsatilla. So Hahnemann knew the pulsatilla picture because he'd done the provings very prone to allergy and cold symptoms where you're stuffy. Okay. You've got like stuffy ears, stuffy sinuses, you know, kind of that kind of stuffy head cold, not a drippy, runny, teary head cold, but a stuffy one, cloggy ears, often like, you know, a light cough in the chest, um, thirsty, very thirsty, very warm. You're feeling kind of, you know, want to open window. We want some fresh air. You feel like, you know, and, also this sort of emotionally, this kind of little bit of a tender, tender feeling like, oh God, I really don't want to be at work. I don't want to be around people. I'd rather be at home. I'd rather have some quiet, maybe a hug, a little, you know what I mean? Like a TLC kind of state. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, would was experimenting with these dilutions. And this is where it gets interesting. He took the mother tincture, which is what we would see an herbalist use. Herbalists will take a plant like pulsatilla and take that most active part of the plant, whether it's the root or the leaves. It's rarely the flower. It's usually the plant, the roots or the leaves, the stems. They boil it, right, for hours. And that's the mother, the mother tincture. That's the herbal, uh, 
essence. And to preserve it, they put a little drops of alcohol in there to hold it so it doesn't evaporate out. So Hahnemann took his mother tincture of pulsatilla and he mixed uh, 10 parts of uh, one part of pulsatilla to 10 parts water. Okay. And that was what he called a one X dilution. And he had this idea and he's a scientist. He had this idea. I wonder what would happen if we shake this dilution up, you know, first of all, to, you know, make it more balanced and the, you know, viscosity of it be more even. He, he shook it and in shaking it, he, he started, he, he hit the bottom of these, you know, little tubes, he put them in these glass vials. He hit the bottom of it against a, a firm substance like a, a paper, a hardback book is what they used in the old days. They pounded it against that hardback book, and that would be the 1X dilution. He then took one drop of the 1X, put it with 10 parts water, and now this became the 2X. And they pounded that. We call it succussing in homeopathy. Pounded that, and he made the 2X dilution. Took one drop of that, 2X, 10 parts water, and another bottle. They're each going into their own new clean bottles. Pounded that. That's a 3X. Okay? So he started with this whole succussing process because his idea was, I don't want to kill these people with the arsenic and the mercury and the silver and the lead and the cadmium and, you know, the heavy metals. He was trying to find a dilution that would be effective but wouldn't cause side effects or, or be lethal. So, you know, it wasn't so dangerous maybe with some of the gentler plants like the pulsatilla or the chamomile. But he was, you know, his aim was for these more more deadly substances. So along the way, what happened, McKay, which is really fascinating, is that, you know, imagine now, too, they've got a whole clinic setting going. So they've got people now that are sick, that they're now trying these homeopathic uh, dilutions on, and they're matching up their symptom pictures, Right. So if someone comes in with these like terrible bone pains that um, are worse at night, that um, they've, you know, they're, they're sweating in their sleep, that they've got, you know, t- terrible um, depression, uh, very despairing. They, you know, barely can't even get themselves going because they're feeling so ill. They've got, as I said, these deep, deep bone pains. We, they would use a remedy called orum, which is actually gold. Okay. But if you took gold in too much quantity, it could be deadly. But he discovered that if he gave them a 30 X dilution or a 20 X dilution, he could eradicate the symptomology, but they wouldn't be killed off or have, you know what I mean, terrible complications. And so the the higher the dilution, the quicker acting the remedy was. So it brought up this whole idea of what's going on. We're diluting, but yet they're becoming faster acting. So to cut to the chase because I can elaborate on this extensively, and there are many books, there's thousands of books on homeopathy, um, the, to cut to the chase, they ended up doing these dilutions and potencies up into the hundreds. They even got up to 1,000, what we, we call a 1M. And in the health food store, if you go now, you'll see C, 6X, 6C, 12X, 12C, 30X, you sometimes will see a 200, but you'll never see the 1,000 or the 10,000 or the 50,000. Those are the professional strengths that certified homeopaths use. But the whole idea is that we are matching up your symptom picture that you, you present with, and we're matching it up to the provings that Dr. Hahnemann and his colleagues did, and then they continued to do provings 
all the way through the 1800s, even in the 1900s, even when I was at homeopathic school, like we proved oak, we proved water lily. I mean, they're con- they they constantly are creating new remedies out of even India is very very big with homeopathy. They prove uh, lots of new substances all the time. So we match up your symptom picture to what the, the that Materia Medica. Remember that book I described that has the full vivid descriptions of of remedies like pulsatilla or arnica or orum or nux vomica or ignatia or silica. There's like two pages on each of these. And then the Kent Repertory, the first book I mentioned, that's all in computer format now for a professional homeopath. But it's divided. It's huge. It's gigantic. It's like six inches thick. And it's divided into sections of the body like head, mouth, throat, chest, uh, stomach, um, limbs, skin. And so what we do is we cross-reference symptoms. So I would never prescribe a remedy without a minimum of three symptoms. So if let's say a child came in with an ear infection, right? I would want to hear about that ear infection. Which ear was it in? Was the ear discolored? Were there any, what kind of pain? Was it a throbbing pain, a shooting pain, an aching pain? You know, a pain that was so bad that they were crying. Did they have a fever? Any other things? Flushed cheeks, um, tummy ache. You know, could they, uh, did they have an appetite? No appetite. You know, all these kinds of things would matter to a homeopath. Uh, what were they clinging to their mother and wanting a lot of, you know, physical affection or were they cranky and miserable and wanted to be alone in their room and don't talk to them? Because as homeopaths, as I told you, we treat the person and not the disease. So we match it up and we need at least three symptoms and we don't like to go over five because it gets too complex and you match it up. And that repertory is this amazing system of collating you go back and forth with, between the pages of looking for right-sided um, uh, piercing, ear pain, worse on swallowing, um, could be one symptom, accompanied by flushed face, accompanied by fever, accompanied by crying when touched. Okay. And then, and then, so when you're prescribing the remedies here, are you looking for the one remedy or uh-huh. are there mixtures? Uh-uh. One. So ideally we want the one because basically we're energetic beings. And, you know, we have um, our natural energetic expression, which is our personality and, you know, our body type, like, you know, your bone structure. Some people are, you know, long, thin, like ectomorphs. Other people are kind of, um, you know, even, you know, even, even body types, which we call mesomorphs. You know, they're usually the athletic types. And then we have the, uh, the endomorphs, which are usually big, solid frames. You know, um, they can carry extra weight on them, but they've got a lot of endurance. So, you know, we look at body type, we look at coloring, we look at personal disposition. Like I'm an extrovert. I'm like, I love new things. I'm constantly stimulated by new ideas and travel and creativity and arts and interaction, but I can burn myself out by, you know, getting too caught up in too many things, but that's my constitutional type. Well, someone else is very methodical. They like things done in a certain way. They've got to have their desk arranged just so they don't like you to, you know, mess things up in their closet that, you know what I mean? They like approach a project by analyzing it before jumping in, you know, so, you know, there's different personalities and different personalities or constitutional types will manifest certain type conditions. Like my type, Ignatia is prone to headaches. It's prone to digestive, you know, things. And it's, and women are prone to hormonal stuff like PMS or menopausal issues. That other type that I described that was so logical and systematic and needed things just in a certain way. I've, I've heard of people like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, they can be kind of fussy and, you know, don't like the, the boat rocked. They, they also can have insomnia. They can have a lot of GI troubles. They can get a lot of a- eczema, asthma, irritable bowel syndrome. So as homeopaths, you know, we, we really, I mean, we have a massive amount of training in our remedies, massive amount of training in observation. We're very, very keen observers. Like I'm, it's hard for me to go into a grocery store or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Without, you know, automatically like noting things. I have to like turn off the homeopath mind and not be like keying into obvious constitutional types. So how many constitutional types are there in homeopathy? Is it infinite? Basic, basic, the basic ones, which we call, you know, the kind of like the broad, you know, common ones are 600 types. And we go beyond, we go into what we call the lesser knowns. So it could get up over a thousand constitutional types. And what I, I want to dovetail back into the, the remedies and how they're made in a second, because there's something I have to say about that, but it would just finish up this, this constitutional and the matching is so people come, you know, in with symptoms and you can have two levels of symptoms. You can have a bee sting or you just came down with food poisoning or you just, you know, were traveling to Mexico and got, you know, tourista or, you know, you picked up a flu. You could actually help yourself with self-help homeopathy, which is the kind of remedies you would find in the health food store or online. And there's many books that are available for self-help. And I actually teach some self-help remedies at my workshops for Lyme disease recovery because there's some remedies you can use for pain management or, like I said, a bee sting, a very common remedy. It's right there in the health food store. It's called Apis mellifuca, and it's actually a teensy, tiny dilution of the bee venom. And this is where allergy shots and vaccination shots were taken from homeopathic principle. They actually took it from us and they use it in injection form and they use a much, much higher amounts. Like our little dilutions that I told you how we make, they just dilute down like, you know, like four times and then they'll give you an injection of, you know, let's say ragweed, right? Or, um, uh, something that someone's allergic to dairy right? Or dust mites for an allergy shot or vaccination. Same thing. They give you an infinitesimal amount, not even infinitesimal. They give you a tiny amount. In my, my mind, it's still too rough and rugged. It's too strong of a dose to shoot right into somebody's bloodstream. And as I told you with our remedies, we use them sublingually. So they go through the uh, sublingual glands and your body's first line of defense lymphocytes, lymph nodes, fighter cells, T fighter cells get to start working right away. So you make antibodies right away versus when you inject into the bloodstream, you're bypassing that first line of defense and it's rugged. That's why people get fevers and reactions to, to vaccinations and immunizations. So we want to try to match up your symptom picture like a laser, like to the best match we possibly can. And that's what professional homeopaths do. And it's a challenge. I have to say, McKay, I mean, I've been at it for 35 years. So you can imagine, you know, the more you practice, the better you get. Right. So, you know, I can pretty much hone in usually on my first visit with someone or second visit, I figured out the remedy, but, um, occasionally it takes us two or three visits to get someone's exact remedy picture more commonly with the chronic problem, with the asthma, with the migraine headaches, with the Lyme disease symptomology, with the Hashimoto's thyroiditis. They don't always get it nail on the head, you know, first, first try, but when a remedy starts working, it's like me when the pellets were under my tongue, they usually start working within 48 hours. You're seeing changes. And, um, we have 
this huge spectrum, as I said, of potency strengths. So a professional homeopath will work at different potencies depending on what we call the vitality of the individual. So someone that's very, very sick, like when I think of my Lyme disease cases, that people have been in bed for a long time, they're very fragile, they've got multi-systems involved, I would start them out on the very gentle 6 or 12 strengths, and I'd have them take them just like two, three times a day so I can slowly get their physiology working again and get their body to strengthen and, you know, for symptoms to start to improve. If somebody's like a child that's come in with an ear infection and they're basically a healthy kid, I would give them a very high dose, like a 1,000 or a 10,000 dose because we can break that ear infection or fever like within an hour. That's fascinating. Now, how does this translate over to Lyme disease? Does everybody with Lyme disease get a different remedy because they have a different constitution? Yes. Or, or do you see patterns showing yeah. up? Yes, yes, to both. <laughs> and I'll explain. And you're so smart, by the way, I have to tell you. You're, you're um, catching on very quickly. I'm proud of you because it's not an easy system for people to um, – start to understand because we're so used to a different kind of model, allopathic medicine, which is the form of medicine that's been in the United States for really since the 1930s, is all about taking uh, a pharmaceutical that counteracts your symptom, right? So you take an, uh, you know, uh, an analgesic, which would be modify pain or you take a cake, take a cough suppressant, right? Right. So, but no, we actually want to get you to expectorate that cough out. Like if you had a cough, I would give you something to, Hey, let's get this cough over with. Let's just swiftly cough out all this mucus and get it out in the next six hours, you know? So with Lyme, like you said, this is where it gets really interesting and where I learned so much about my profession and about about how to treat this disease through myself and through my uh, my my clients, but really first through myself. So I was trained, like I told you, by this brilliant uh, master homeopath out of South America, Doctor Aziaga, back in the eighties, who was a very uh, good clinical prescriber, a huge hospital. And he would take all these clinical conditions like collapsed lungs, kidney stones, prolapsed uterus, blood poisoning, and he would treat them clinically. He would use those doses that I told you, the lower potency doses, and repeat them like three, four, five, six times in a day, you know, to get the collapsed lungs to reinflate or to get the kidney stones to dissolve. He might, in the back of his mind, see, hey, you know what, this man is a lycopodium constitution or this woman is a phosphorus, but right now she's in a very clinical state with a collapsed lung. So I'm going to use these remedies at a low potency. Let, let's get this organ working. When I get the organ working, then I will give her the constitutional remedy to fully balance her system. So with Lyme disease, when I was so tragically sick, I had the best of the homeopaths in the world. My teachers at that point were from India and Europe that I was, well, let's see, this was in, in 2000. So I'd been practicing for 15 years at that point. And I had already been, I'd sat on the national board for seven years, wrote the national exam, interviewed candidates. I was, you know, up there in, in, you know, my profession, only homeopath like in Northern New England with like an 85% success cure for all these illnesses. And um, the homeopaths were treating me constitutionally. And they were giving me my constitutional pick remedy, the Ignatia, or one of the other constitutional pictures that were very similar. Some of them thought, you know, Katina, she slipped into this chronic fatigue syndrome picture. So they would be looking at my constitutional type and seeing, okay, well, what is Ignatia 
what is one of the complementary states that Ignatia can move into when they have been stressed and burdened? So this is really also very fascinating is you might be born with your constitutional type and it might be natural for me to get headaches as an Ignatia. But if I've got a very um, strong emotional or physical trauma in my life, like let's say I had a terrible case of pneumonia that I never resolved from, and it's now four, six months later or a year later, and I'm still getting chest coughs, I might have moved from Ignatia into a complementary picture called phosphorus, which is a complement to Ignatia. Or if I'd had a terrible, terrible grief, if I'd lost someone that I loved dearly and I couldn't get over the grief and I was, you know, trapped in the sadness and the depression, I might be in what they call a nature mure state, which is a complement to Ignatius. So I had this terrible chronic fatigue picture. I had all the fibromyalgia pains. I had the vicious migraine headaches. So the, these master homeopaths from India were putting me on my 1,000 or 10,000 strength of Ignatia or one of the complements. And the remedy would only hold like three days, McKay. And then I would, I mean, it would clear, would clear the fatigue, it would clear the brain fog, it would clear the headache, but it would only last for three days. And then I'd be slipped back down again. And I would be, wait, and we went on like this for like a year. And one of my dear colleagues in Massachusetts, who I'm very good friends with, she was trying to help co-manage too. Like she would be, you know, on the phone to India while we were managing my case. And finally I got so frustrated that I said to myself, I remember the day I was lying in my bed. I remember where I was, the window, the books by my bedside. And I said, wait a second. Why don't you just prescribe for yourself the way Dr. Isiaga taught you all those years ago? You're collapsed you have alternating days of one day so weak that I couldn't stand up. And then the second day, maybe I could sit up and maybe do a little something like maybe take a shower, but have to get right back in bed. So I'd have these, this uh, every other day pattern of uh, good, bad, good, bad. I mean, good was not good, but you know what I mean? Plus I had like these trembling limbs, this terrible digestive, you know, upper GI, um, area by the pancreas it was totally inflamed the vicious migraines so weak i just you know could breathing was exhausting and i realized wait a second this is china that's one of our remedies it's called china and it's for collapse and it's often when people have lost a lot of blood or they've had a terrible you know um bronchitis or pneumonia or some terrible influenza where they've lost a lot of fluids and they're very weak and dehydrated. And I said, wait a second, you are like China. You're so collapsed. So I just started taking a low 6C of China four times a day. And after a week, I was out of bed and I'm emptying the dishwasher. And I was actually like able to make my own like lunch. And then my husband was like shocked. He came home from work one night and I was like actually like in the kitchen, like chopping things like for dinner. He says, oh my God, Katina, what's... Up. I said, the China's working. He says, oh my God, that's fantastic. Now, meanwhile, I could still get hit with a migraine or I still had fibromyalgia pains, but we were, I was clearing out the chronic fatigue. So Dr. Isiaga's method was, it's like peeling the layers of an onion. It's like, okay, so you use a remedy clinically, remove that one symptom picture, then what's left? What's the next most strong presenting symptom? So my next most strongly presenting symptom was this terrible anxiety and not able to fall asleep at night, right? That like that buzzing feeling that a lot of people with Lyme have where you're like vibrate inside and I couldn't sleep and my brain would be racing and, you know, I was prone to the headaches and I was very anxious. So I knew I cross-referenced a few things and I knew that symptom picture was a remedy called Cali. Phos, which is potassium phosphate. And again, I took that in the low potency, 6C, like three, four times a day, and I cleared it. I started sleeping, the anxiety stopped, that whole jittery, like vibrational thing stopped. And I'm like, wait a second. So as you're, hang on a second, as you're clearing here, are you continuing the original China remedy or if you stopped that? 
I stopped it. Okay, so this is a progression. It's a progression. And with homeopathy, it's wisest. If you don't mix remedies, I mean, you can in emergencies, and I'll explain to you something else in a minute about when we're working on an organ, when we actually do use combination formulas. But generally speaking, it's wisest not to mix remedies. It's best to just focus on the most prominent symptom state. And and just like we did, we peeled off that chronic fatigue layer. Then we were getting into that anxiety insomnia layer. I moved through that, took me a couple weeks. I had a little relapse. I had to go back on it again. And then we started moving into all that neck pain. You know, I had all that kind of Bartonella, like neck. Well, I think Bartonella was strongly related to all that, you know, not sleeping too. Mm -hmm. And all that terrible neck pain. And I had a lot of right-sided pain too, which ties into liver. Um, And my right hip was killing me. I couldn't sleep on my right side. So I moved on to another remedy, which became a lifesaver for me, called Bryonia, B-R-Y-O-N-I-A. It's actually made from wild hops. It's a very strong affinity to the liver and liver stagnation. A lot of pains rise up into your upper back and shoulders and neck. So Chinese medicine notices that a lot. Bryonia was like a lifesaver for me. I'd go on and off Bryonia really for several years because I obviously had a lot of liver, you know, cleansing and toxins. I I have one of the flaws in the MTHFR, you know, the genetic testing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that in those days. We didn't have the testing. Um, So anyway, I, I, I peeled the layers of the onion. And meanwhile, you know, I'm still on my herbals. I was on my Cowden herbals. Um, I would still see my acupuncturist. I still was going for cranial sacral treatments, but I started realizing, wait a second, it's clinical prescribing that's best with Lyme disease. So lo and behold, you know, you know my story. It took five years, but you know, I recovered a hundred percent and homeopathy was one of my beautiful assistants in, in helping me recover because we rebuilt these organs. I helped cleanse that liver. I helped my nervous system recalibrate with all that insomnia. I then, you know, really got into the fact when we did further testing and we discovered I had Epstein-Barr levels that were over the roof. We, you know, figured out I had a Bartonella and Babesia co-infections. You can get, this is very fascinating. This is only can come through a practitioner, but we have the organisms. We have all these organisms, Epstein-Barr, herpes, um, cytomegalia virus, Borrelia, Bartonella. We have even the children's um, organisms like rubella, chickenpox. We have them in homeopathic dilution. So they are like homeopathic immunizations. So when we got me to a certain point, and it was probably, I would say, year three into my re- treatment I started going on the Epstein-Barr drops. So it's Epstein-Barr virus in homeopathic dilution. And this was a liquid instead of those little pellets that we see in the health food store. And that's what helped put the Epstein-Barr in remission for me. That's what finally cured the Bartonella out of my system and what finally cured the Babesia. Because even though I was taking the herbs and the, you know, different um, antimicrobial plants that we know go after the, those infections. It was the homeopathic nozodes, they're called, that totally eradicated them. And I validated very strongly with my son, who, who you've interviewed, um, who had a, a, a very strong Lyme Bartonella case. And he was a teenager, was wiped out for a year and a half. And even though he'd been on seven months of um, antibiotics and was making progress, he was stuck. His cognitive ability was not coming back and he still had pot syndrome. And our doc at home is integrative medicine doc. He's a really good Lyme doc. We're lucky in, in a little town in New Hampshire. He's a good eyelids doc. Said to him, doctor, I said, can I put Jake on the Bartonella nosote? I think I, 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 obviously, cause we'd already done, you know, a bunch of antibiotics and he was plateaued. He goes, yeah, put him on. Let's see. Within about 10 days, he said to me, Mom, 
my brain fog's gone. And he goes, I just like read something like, cause he couldn't read. And then like later that day, he's out in the backyard chipping golf balls, which, you know, that's his passion. And then like two days later, he goes, I've gone, I want to go up to the golf course. He goes, I feel so much better. And oh, he, amazing. it's amazing. It was the homeopathy that, that cleared it out. So I know I'm like sharing a lot of information here rapidly, but, um, I want to say, and I'm writing a book on this. I've got, um, another brilliant homeopath that I've known for 25 years. We're going to co-write, a, we're co-writing a book on, um, clinical treatments for Lyme disease because I want all the homeopaths and naturopaths and functional medicine docs to learn how to use just the way I've just described it to you, the peeling the layer of the onions. And, you know, like you just said, someone could come in with Lyme disease, right? But we need to look at their symptoms. Like what is going on? What presents? Is it the chronic fatigue that's overwhelming? Is it the splitting headaches? Is it the arthritic bone pains? Is it the you know, terrible interstitial cystitis? Is it seizures? You know, what, what is dominant? And that's where we would start the case. So this, this brings me to a question I've been wanting to ask. There are companies out there who sell homeopathic protocols mm-hmm. off the shelf, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not customized. They're just, here's the protocol. Are those worth doing? Yes, not in, not, not a hundred percent. Um, there's a facet of them that helps. Let's say that. So like there's some good companies out of Germany. Um, some of the better, because that's where it was founded, right? Yeah. And there's also Boron, B-O-I-R-O-N is the big company that most of us use here in the United States. They're out of France. They're the ones that you'll see the blue tubes or the purple tubes in the health food store. Um, these are fabulous companies. We still have a few in the United States, standard homeopathics, um, it's in California. Um, we have Hahnemann pharmacy out in California. So we still have some here in the United States, but, um, there's some good companies, Heal, Picana, um, they're out of Germany. They make some formulas that are worthwhile when we have to rehabilitate certain organs or certain systems. And like, I like the Picana brand, um, Mike Sheehan at Bioresources out in California. He carries the Picana, P-E-K-A-N-A. They have a fabulous detoxification kit. So when I look at a Lyme case or an autoimmune case, chronic fatigue, lupus, you name it, I won't do anything without strengthening the big organs of detoxification, which are liver, kidney, and spleen. So before we get into any of these specific remedies or what herbals or antibiotics or whatever are necessary, I want those organs working. Because as you know, the Lyme organisms, all the tick-borne infections release a lot of endotoxins, the big one being ammonia, and your body won't cleanse the ammonia on its own. It needs, it needs help. So we've got to get the liver cleaning. We need to get the kidney really flushing. We need the spleen, which is the graveyard for all the dead white blood cells. So when the thymus is working so hard and, you know, all these um, white blood cells are being produced and they go to the spleen, the poor, poor spleen, if you've been laying down and been in bed for a long time, your lymphatic system only flushes with circulation and with heat. So I need to get your spleen working. So these formulas that you sometimes see, like you mentioned, the detox ones or the spleen or the liver, they are helpful. And if someone also has a condition like um, they've got, a, they had a lot of lung problems, they've had pleurisy, they've had repeat bouts of pneumonia, it, those combination formulas are effective in strengthening an organ. They're like tonics. So they have their place, McKay. They do have their place. 
Um, they won't cure it. They won't cure everything, but they'll help the organs work better. And they are wonderful because the whole premise with natural medicine and homeopathy is just one of the slices, you know, in the, in the spectrum of natural medicine. We see naturopathic medicine, acupuncture. We see chiropractic. We see Reiki, right? You see these different slices. So the homeopathics are, are one of the, you know, uh, modalities in natural medicine. So those combination formulas are helpful. Just the way when my dad brought me back, remember that bottle of those little pellets from Nelson's pharmacy? Yep. There was four different remedies in there. Allium sepa, which is red onion, sabadilla, which is for um, sinus congestion. Um, I forget what the other two were. I think the other one was wyethia, which has got all this sneezing in it, and um, phosphorus, which has a lot of lung congestion. So that little combination allergy formula, it worked on me so that, you know, my symptoms stopped. Now, it wasn't curative. I still needed to get to that homeopath so he could figure out my constitution so he could follow up that combination formula and get me on the constitutional type so that my body rebalanced, got me through my grief and my tension and the issues that were energetically burdening me enough that my body created the symptom picture and we cured my asthma. My asthma was gone within a matter of months. So with Lyme disease, it's a clinical illness. There's a lot of pathology. Organs are being damaged, right? People get pericarditis. They get Hashimoto's thyroiditis. They've got damage to myelin and sheaths. The neurotransmitters in the brain are not working right. The mitochondria have dysregulated. Adrenal glands have, have gone into failure or collapse at least. So with the remedies, that's why the clinical prescribing works so well because we're moving our way and peeling those onion layers, like I said, and we're getting these organs and systems to be t- tonified, working better. And when the body is then working better after several months of working, you know, as I said, it's like a constellation, you know, it's like a pattern, like a star pattern, like in the sky. When we get through these constellation of symptoms, then we can get in there and I'll move in with the, with your constitutional type and help your body then balance and restore and, and, and find its way back to what we call homeostasis or balance. So it's a really fascinating healing art. I really encourage people to get some books, not the textbooks that I read, but get some good books. Um, there's a website called um, Homeopathic Educational Services. He's got thousands of books there, and there's some really good introductory books that you can read um, on homeopathy. And also start reading, if you're, if you're interested, some of the constitutional types. And it's fascinating because you're going to say, oh, my God, that's my sister. Or you're going to read it and you're going to be like, oh, my God, that sounds a lot like me. Or that's my dad. You know what I mean? You, it's really interesting to understand that we have this constitutional type. And if you get infected, like, by Borrelia or by pneumonia, you know, you depending on your constitutional type, are going to show up with a certain type symptoms. So for me as a homeopath, I'll go to the ILADS conferences. I'll go to the different, you know, conferences that they're teaching about Lyme and they're talking about these different herbs or drugs or medicines or this or that. And part of me is, is taking a lot of it in and learning, right? Yep. Because I love some of these things for mitochondrial repair and a, and a supporting adrenal glands. I, I love some of these, but you know, and also learning about the methylation pathway. I mean, that's been all fabulous for me to learn. But another part of me say, saying, wait a second, wait a second. There's certain type constitutions that are going to get neurological Lyme. 
There's certain type constitutions that are not. They're going to get arthritic. There's certain types that are going to just crash and get the chronic fatigue versions. There's certain types they're going to get interstitial cystitis. I mean, there's certain, it's just for me, I'm, you know, I see it with a whole nother lens. So it's not as complicated to me. I mean, it's a very complex illness. Don't get me wrong. But that homeopath in me is saying, ah, neurological Lyme, I'm already narrowed down from 600 constitutional types. I'm narrowed down to about 50 or 60. That makes so much sense. Yeah, it's very helpful. So it sounds like we're going to need to talk to you several more times, (laughs) (laughs) especially as this book starts coming together. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, there's so much. Oh, my God, there's so much to share. So, like, in summary, because I know we're running out of time, it's, um, there's, we have uh, the concept that you said, likes treat likes. So we're matching up substances from nature that energetically are most compatible to your symptom picture. So there are a handful of substances from nature that are very energetically or synergistically similar to your own vibrational patterns. So that's likes treat likes. Then there's the idea of the constitutional type, which, which we spent a lot of time on is what you're born with, like your genetic strengths and weaknesses and how you present both in your appearance and in your mental emotional picture. And then when you get ill, what you're prone to getting. Because as you know, some people can get bitten by a Lyme-infected tick and not get sick because constitutionally they're not predisposed. And then the third point we made was how are these remedies made, which is this whole dilution and succussing process. And now they're done in machines, McKay. Like if you were at Boron in France, you'd see like a mile long as they're building there with like 10,000 machines going making allium, uh, sepa and dilution or pulsatilla and dilution or arnica and dilutions. So those I think are like our three kind of highlights from today. Plus the idea of peeling the onions, like let's look at a picture and it's a chronic case of Lyme disease in particular and approach it clinically. Those I think are like our highlights for today, but there's so much more we can talk about like as, you know, how do you use it in a self-help vein? Um, how do I find a homeopath? You know, a lot, lots of things like this. And as you said, when the new book comes to. Well, I look forward to those conversations. Katina, you've been very, very generous with your time. I really appreciate it. And look forward to keeping this discussion ongoing. Thank you, McKay. And also I have to tell you, um, both of my books, Out of the Woods, Healing Lyme Disease, Body, Mind, and Spirit, and my second book, Autoimmune Illness and Lyme Disease Recovery Guide, have chapters in there on homeopathy, and they have, um, I have a section on some self-help remedies for pain management and fatigue. So th- those are helpful for people that want to take a peek. And my question about that, are, are the chapters similar or should, which one would be better for people with Lyme? Should they buy, buy them oh, both, right? Yeah, <laughs> buy them both. Buy them both. You know, the new book, The Autoimmune and Lyme Recovery Guide, that book, I have to say, even though I wrote it my own self, is such a wealth of recovery knowledge in there. And I mean, the, the homeopathic section is fantastic. The herbal section, the detox protocols, and uh, the mind spirit section. And I've had readers sending me notes. They're so dear telling me they're taking it to their physician, to their chiropractor, to their naturopath, to their integrative med doc, even to sometimes a traditional doc, but certainly to a more progressive thinker. And they're saying, please read this book. And I want to do these protocols. And they're telling me, Katina, I'm getting better. And I keep going back and I'm reading these chapter and I'm underlining it. And, and I had a woman the other day, she says, I'm well now. It worked. And she goes, I'm still going back and reading. She goes, it's a miracle. I love that book. So autoimmune illness and Lyme disease recovery, God, there's a ton of great help in there. Fabulous. We'll have links to those books 
on our show notes. Katina. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Thanks again. Thank you. You are such a gem. Thanks for interviewing me and for sharing so much with the world. You're doing such a great job. It's always good to hear from Katina. And homeopathy is one of those practices that I always have wanted to learn more about. You know, Katina has been a guest previously. And if you want to hear, go back and hear the previous interviews. It's number 51. It seems like a hundred years ago, <laughs> about two years ago, I guess. And then re- more recently, episode number 127. And in each of those, she discusses her two books, the first one out of the woods and then the second one about autoimmune disease and Lyme disease. And she has chapters in those books about homeopathy where she explores a little more in depth. But it was real interesting to hear somebody trained in homeopathy explain the ins and outs of it because basically my knowledge has been what I've picked up secondhand from other practitioners and, you know, over the counter. We've all bought rescue remedy and things like that over the counter. And I do use some homeopathic remedies with a laser in my practice. But in terms of taking them internally, it's something brand new to me. So it's really interesting to hear Katina explain exactly what Lyme what Lyme is, what homeopathy is. And how it relates to Lyme. If you like what we are doing here at Lyme Ninja Radio, we'd appreciate it if you would support our efforts by subscribing. Go to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see the subscribe button under the featured episode. Also, a big thank you to Todd, Jeremy, Lillian, Jonathan, Gwen, JC, James, Joanne, Matt, Adriana, for subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Aurora. And last, as you longtime ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know that ninja is not only a noun, but a verb? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.